Hello and welcome to the Super Turd Podcast with your host, Michael Turbot, your local real estate expert, where we'll talk real estate, sports, business, and beer in the triangle. And now, here's your host, Michael Turbot. And welcome to the Super Turb Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Turbot, your local real estate expert with the Audit Turbot Group, Cobalt Banker HPW, a.k.a. Super Turb, a.k.a. Coach Turb. And I'm here with Jordan Hatch, my partner. Hey there. And we were wanting to do our first quarter market update with you guys. I can't believe it is mid-March of 2022. This, t- this year is already flying by. Yeah. Um, and I thought this would be a great time. We try to break this down quarterly and just let everybody know what's going on. We discuss what's going on in the real estate market. But first, if you are first tuning into our podcast, uh, I started this podcast in the fall of 2020. We are now on episode 44. It's awesome. And we started to talk real estate, business, sports, and beer in the triangle, mainly to uh, have local business owners, entrepreneurs, uh, agents, you name it, uh, come on, just talk about how they started, talk about their career, their passions, but of course, sprinkle in some real estate tips as well as some sport tips and maybe some local breweries that we like to venture on. So we'll have a great time here. Uh, so I'm going to take a quick break. As soon as I come back, Jordan and I are going to dive in and talk a little about the real estate market. If anybody out there has any questions, please uh, reach out and we'll be more than happy to answer the questions you may have. And uh, we will be back on the other side. Whether you're buying, selling, or investing in the triangle, Michael Turbot with the Ida Turbot Group, Coldwell Banker HPW, will put you in position to win. With almost 15 years of real estate experience, Michael and his team will help navigate you through the real estate transaction from beginning to end, always putting your best interests first. In today's competitive real estate market, now more than ever, Selecting the real estate professional to assist you with your biggest investment is vital. Please contact Michael Turbot today to find out more on what he and his team do to separate themselves from the rest and help you accomplish your real estate goals. Remember, who you work with matters, and Michael looks forward to hearing from you soon. And welcome back to the Super Turb Podcast. Again, I'm your host, Michael Turbot, your local real estate expert with the Ida Turbot Group, Coto Baker HPW, a.k.a. Coach Turb, a.k.a. Super Turb. And again, to my right, I guess their left, is Jordan Hatch. <laughs> hey there. How are you doing? Dude, I thought this was going to be a great time to come on and just talk real estate. And I know you have some questions for me, and I just thought this would be a great time to help educate the people that are out there. Either they're thinking about selling, they're thinking about buying, and what we can do to help them navigate through this competitive market, and most importantly, put them in position to win. So what yes. you got? Well, First of all, Jordan, if you guys don't know, I know I just interrupted her there. She started working with me a little over a year ago. Uh, she's my partner. She helps me with majority of my buyer clients. So she's been out in the field. What have you seen that you can share? Maybe that since you started mm-hmm. to now, what's the biggest thing that you've seen? How insane the competition has really risen. So I, one of my questions was going to have you talk about like what the difference was between this March and last March, but last March was really when I got my feet wet in real estate and due diligence was still pretty high, but not like today. I remember we were writing offers for due diligence of like 5,000 or even 10 
and now it's pretty regular to see 40 50 or even 100,000 on some of the contracts we've written for people. No, um, exactly right. I mean, right now pretty much due diligence what we're seeing is almost 10% of the purchase price, oh, you know, yeah. give or take a few grand. Yeah. And for people that are listening, maybe you're not in North Carolina or you're new to the market and we talk about due diligence money just real fast. I know I've gone over before, but for people that are watching, due diligence money is the money in which you give to the seller at time of contract. Uh, to do your due diligence in regard, but the the caveat there is the due diligence money is non-refundable if you were to not buy the home. So if you terminate for any reason, you lose that due diligence money. Well, when the contract started back in 2011, we were in a different market where the due diligence numbers that we're seeing now was not even close to where we are. And now with the competitiveness of the market, the multiple offers, we've seen the due diligence really skyrocket. And of mm-hmm. course, that due diligence money is um, credited back to the buyers at closing so that's mm-hmm. why when we're preparing to make an offer first thing we ask is do you love the home and then mm-hmm. second is you know this money you're going to get back at closing of course we go through this right now you're going to have inspections you're going to find things wrong with home but of course no hopefully no deal breakers we're going into knowing that the age of the roof age of the mm-hmm. hvac things that we may need to uh, um it, going in and of course we do further investigations inspections and then we also take in the fact that the home may not appraise and not having our buyers prepared to pay the difference or restructure their loan accordingly so they don't have to bring any additional money to the po- out of their pocket. So just a little bit on due diligence there, but go yeah, ahead. Yeah, and, and going back to appraisals, like whereas before last March, appraisals weren't nearly as scary. Like we were seeing most homes appraise, even though we were going in over ask, we were still seeing it appraise, but now it's almost a guarantee that it won't appraise. Mm-hmm. So that's part of the reason why we've... Um, We've collaborated with such great lenders who are great at just educating our, our buyers and letting them know where their their boundaries are financially because you have to be prepared to purchase the home and take it to closing, like you said, with that due diligence. And due diligence is a lot like an engagement ring. You're not going to propose to someone you feel really unsure if you're going to marry. Like yeah. you, you know enough to know that you're you're going to buy the home you're going to I like to marry that, that analogy. Person. I haven't used the, the that's a good one. Yeah, I you like don't that just one. you don't yeah. just throw uh, engagement rings out there. No, you, you don't. You know what you're you're, you're getting get, into. You're ready to get to the wedding. Yep. 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 So I know you asked me about maybe the market between now and last year or what Yeah, yep. the changes we've um, seen. Um I am actually going to go back a, a year even before that. I okay. think you know we t- we covered on this um you know on the previous podcast I would let everyone know you know, I, I I thought it was really eye opening to see how far our market has gone as far, in the last two years, especially yeah. pre COVID. So, spring market update pre COVID, um, January of twenty twenty. Right, we were, it was the first time that I, in my career I'm going into year sixteen that I saw in Wake County our inventory dropped under a two month supply of homes. For people that are listening and you hear month of supply, you're like, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. To put it in perspective, you want about five to six months of supply of homes to offset the demand and the supply, it's basically right down the middle. Um, as we came out of the recession in 2016, you know that's where I started to see confidence in the market. We were just under a four-month supply then. So we, we've been going down year after year because the demand was still high. We had people moving here daily. And the builders couldn't build, even at that time, fast enough. Well, January 2020 gets here. Um, first time that we saw our inventory under a two-month supply. We're at 1.7. This is for Wake County, where Raleigh is. And our average sales price was 360000 Wow. Okay? And 
you know, it was like going into, we, we, we didn't know COVID was on our doorstep. COVID hits us in March, actually probably about a week from now would be a two-year anniversary yeah. when things shut down. And if you were 350 and under, you didn't know there was a pandemic. You um, were still buying and selling. Everybody kind of hit pause. And then, of mm-hmm. course, we came out and then the acceleration rates were low. So over the last next two years, our supply is down 82%. It's ice. It's just staggering. Eighty-two percent. So as of our stats, we we get our stats a month behind with Triangle Less. So the stats that I'm referencing is January of 2020 to January of 2022, and the stats read that we went from a 1.7 month inventory to 0.3. Yeah. We have less than 10 days of active inventory right now. Yeah. On top of that, our average sales price in January of 2020 was 360,000, and in the 24 months that have followed. Our average appreciation has gone up a whopping 37% to where our average sales price in Wake County is 491000 And now they're projecting another 20 25% appreciation in this year because, again, we don't have the supply to offset the demand. So as we tell many of our buyers, all of our buyers, uh, you're going to be the new comp when you mm-hmm. make this purchase. But we still are encouraging everyone, if you're thinking about buying, to buy now. Rates have started to increase. Mm-hmm. I think they're around four and a quarter now, as well as the prices are just going to continue to go up. On top of that, if you're renting and not sure if you're ready to get in the market, rents are projected to go up by 25% in two years. So I'd much rather be able to try to get in a home and build equity myself for me versus paying someone else's mortgage down. Yeah, it's true. Um, so what are you seeing in this past quarter, like from since 2022 started to now, how much of a of a shift have you seen? I don't know if there was really much of a shift other than, rather than We're still going just acceleration. Yeah, yeah, I mean, normally, and I say normally, it hasn't been normal in a very long time, yeah. but normally when you come out of the, the holidays, you go into a new year, people are kind of dusting themselves off. They've come out of hibernation. They're just kind of getting ready to either list or, or buy. February technically would kick off our spring market. People are gauging, ready to get their homes listed for this time of year, mm-hmm. March, tight daylight savings. But I would just say that we've hit the ground running. I think between the two of us, um, you know, we've sold, we have 20 homes that we've either closed or sold to 20 homes at this this point. Mm-hmm. And it, again, it's just the urgency. I, I, I haven't seen a slowdown. Like I in January, February, you know, I were talking, it, it, it didn't feel like it was winter. Yeah, it's yeah. true. Um. So for all the people who are thinking about facing this crazy market that Wake County has, and they're on the fence, they're not sure if they should jump in or just kind of bide their time, what kind of information do you think they need to know to help them make that decision? Because not everyone can compete in this market. No, I think what is so important if you're on the a couple things. One, uh, for sellers, um, there's literally no better time to sell. You guys have been hearing us mm-hmm. saying that for years now. Mm-hmm. But literally there's no better time to maximize your equity and the, but the question is, is Turb, where are we going to go? Yeah. So we can help you with that. If you're wanting to sell your home and parlay or use that to go into a larger home, maybe you want to dream, you know, your bigger home, mm-hmm. or you want to sell and downsize. Uh, the one thing that I will tell you is we have a game plan to help you do that. Um, but you also may have to be prepared to move twice. Now, what does that mean? Yeah. If you have to sell to buy, um, you really don't have a chance in this market. Mm-hmm. Now you could you could in essence we could still sell your home, and we could negotiate a seller possession post closing up to fifty nine days if it's a loan, and then try to find something after you sell. But then there's no guarantee the home you want is going to be there. 
Mm-hmm. So we're seeing a lot of sellers that are either relocating, they're building, or they're selling their investment properties. Mm-hmm. For the ones that want to buy, then sell, that can qualify, we're actually seeing our buyer or sellers go through the get a home equity line of credit or pretty much a bridge loan up front, basically home equity line of credit, because that way they've got their, because a lot of people's equity is in their home. Right. They're going to have that up front, and then that way, then when they find the right home, we can jump on it, then sell their home. Mm-hmm. It used to be where you could find that home, buy it, knowing you're qualified, and then do your HELOC, everything at mm-hmm. that time. But because of the amount of due diligence you have to put down, that's where we really have to coach that. Now, on the buy side... It's just so important that you work with someone that's a professional, that's been in this business. Mm-hmm. There's so many agents, and there's no disrespect at all. I know everyone's working so hard, but get with somebody that is knowledgeable, experienced, and can help navigate you through this process. And it starts from the very beginning with our buyer consultation. We get a game plan together. Um, I always say, Coach Turb. I just did my letter of the heart talking about Coach Turb. I use that, my coaching background, to help get our buyers prepared. In essence, having their own scouting report. And that also then means getting them with a a great preferred lender of ours. Knowing that they're pre-approved, not just pre-qualified, but they're pre-approved where there's going to be no surprises during the transaction. There's not a lot of room for error. No room for error. And then we also talk about, okay, now you're qualified for 500. Mm -hmm. Well, that means we probably need to look around 425 to 450. Yes. Because of where we need to land. And then we talk due diligence, appraisal scenarios. So that's where that starts. But just having all of your stuff ready to go, because when you go out, as I always say, once you start taking off, I mean, once you start going down the runway, you're going to take off. But it's having that expectations created up front where then you don't also see yourselves writing offer after offer after offer because you're not getting the proper education up front. Mm-hmm. Speaking of education, obviously you have a lot of knowledge and experience doing what you do. That's how you have the super turb marketing strategy and, <laughs> yes. and buying strategy. So how do you self-educate about the market and learn these new strategies? Where do you go to learn more about the current market climate and improve? I think agent? I think it all starts just knowing your numbers. I mean, I, I'm like a little kid when the stats come out from Triangle MLS. I just like to see those numbers. I like to see you know, the inventory levels, um, it really starts there. Mm-hmm. Just like the stats that I read off, that's because I read them and mm-hmm. I've been reciting them to my clients as you educate. Um, there's other avenues. I mean, there's other articles that you can come across and there's different, you know, things that you, for example, WRL just said in the city of Durham, for every home listed, there's seven real estate agents. Wow. You know, and, but again, a lot of people carry licenses, but the average agent in all of the country sells less than four homes a year. So a lot of people have a license, they hang it on a wall, but that doesn't necessarily mean that's what the, the as I always tell everyone, this is our business, it's not our job. Yes. And there's a big difference. Um, but I just think knowing, educating yourself daily, um, then transfers over to your clients and being that expert for them on the ground mm-hmm. on how to, what to expect, what to do in regards to, to winning. Mm-hmm. I saw a survey recently that asked people what they thought was the number one reason for hiring a real estate agent to help them buy a home specifically. And I just thought it was an interesting question. And I was wondering, I mean, there's obviously a lot that goes into a real estate transaction, but I want to ask you what you think the most important service you offer as an agent helping buyer clients. When you're buying? Yeah. Well, one, if you're looking to buy, as I tell everybody, the listing or sellers are paying the buyer agent's commission. Right. So right away, right there, 
as a buyer, you're not having to pay commission. So what I'd always tell people is, if you don't use me, use somebody. Mm-hmm. Uh, you need to have representation in your corner that's going to go to bat for you as well as guide you through the process. Um, on top of that is knowing how to structure, well, getting you the right people as far as getting your, your finances in order, your lending information in order, um, and then, of course, going and finding the right property. Now the market's different in the fact that it used to be, you know, you, you'd have the, the luxury of going to look at 8, 10, 12 homes on a Saturday. You don't need now to. we have all the listings going live, but 95% of them are coming soon. So we know when the showings are expected to start, but it doesn't mean the home may even be there when you want to go see it. Mm-hmm. So now we know the homes are there. And then at that point, it's do you love the home? And then it's a matter of how to put the offer together, package it together to where it's going to be the best for the sellers when reviewing offers. On top of that, um, the relationships that you, with the agents, I think a top producing agent in this market is critical to be working with because I know, for example, when I see a listing, I probably say there's a pretty good, there's a 50-50 chance. I know that listing agent or I know of them. Mm-hmm. And then other agents want to work with other great agents. It's true. So that's another facet. But you have to have someone in your corner in this market just to get the advice. But at the same time, that agent also has to be the leader in the fact of saying this is what it's going to take to get this home. Mm-hmm. And not many agents right now just due to experience, have that confidence to tell somebody you've got to put 50000 in due diligence now, mm-hmm. and here's why. Mm-hmm. And then instead, they just start writing offer after offer after offer. The, the, the seller, the buyer gets frustrated, they get discouraged, and then the agents also get tired. Super. Yep. Yeah, I, I remember that survey, the top answer that people, like the number one reason people hired an agent, they thought was to help them find a home. And like you said, with such low inventory, that's not so much the issue anymore, but definitely how to be competitive. Because mm-hmm. you can find the perfect home, but that does not mean that you will win when you're up against no. 20 offers. You know, and I and I tell my clients, our clients, this, you know, I started to say this. I hate saying, I mean, I always say, put you in position to win. Mm-hmm. Uh, as long as our clients do the absolute best they can do, that's all we can do. No, now, I mean, yeah. just last weekend, we were the bridesmaid, but we put forth the best offer that we could possibly put forward. And, in you know, I play cards, I, you know, not as much as I used to, but I like to play poker. And there's times when you may have the best hand and, or for some reason or the other, you don't win a mm-hmm. tournament or you don't win a hand. Mm-hmm. Maybe you didn't play the hand well. But I always tell people, in, in just like writing an offer, you learn rather than lose. Mm-hmm. So, it's true. That's one thing that I like to tell our buyer clients is, you know, at what price are you happy to win this house at, and at what price are you happy to walk away at? And when we don't win it, we're happy because we you know, we did our best. Now, I mean, yeah. there's also a difference of that versus, you know, I just want to submit this just to see. That's that. Then we're not even doing that. We're not going to yeah. play that game because yeah. if you're not fully committed, then what if the outside chance, which is rare, slim to none, that you got the house and you weren't fully invested or loved the home, mm-hmm. but you still have the due diligence that's required to, you know, get to the finish line. Right. Well, I, this is kind of a, a personal question, but out of all the things that you, all the hats that you wear within the transaction and in this business, what's your favorite part about it? What's your, like, what's the, your favorite part in the transaction that you do? I think, um, well, there's two. I mean, not, when you're on the buy side, there's no better feeling than letting your clients know they need to start packing. Yeah. I think that's the most fun part of the 
the business. I remember a year um, ago, I got to tell one of our clients that yeah. we won, and I told you right afterwards that that was an addictive feeling. No, it's just a great feeling. Yeah. Uh, because you're helping someone. You're helping a family, uh, whether that means that they're getting their first home. Maybe they're going to another home to start a family. Maybe they're... You know, maybe they're getting a home for their grandkids. You just don't know. Um, then on the sales side, there's no better feeling than helping them accomplish their goals by getting absolute max value, mm-hmm. and I'm and coming to them with multiple offers and getting the absolute best for them and protecting them in the transaction. I would say those are probably the most favorite, and then of course the tr- the uh, closing day leap with term. Those are fun. Yeah. I have a lot of fun, <laughs> but there's a lot between. As people always will say. You know, and the market has shifted dramatically where, again, you know, you started a little over a year ago. Um, so many homes now that are purchased are purchased um, or pretty much the buyer is understanding the seller is not going to do repairs. Mm-hmm. You know, now, granted, the contract's written anyway that the buyer's buying the home as is in its current condition and they can ask. The seller's not obligated. But with the amount of due diligence, things you're doing to go under contract, um, it, you know, that you don't have much leverage. However... Uh, there's still a lot that goes on from contract to close that a lot of the cl- clients don't see. Yeah. And that's where I would always tell people it's easy to get under contract per se, but then the contract to close is where you see the real value of a team or the agent that you work with. That is true. And speaking of fun, you guys may not know this, but Turb won the Spirit Award at our I office. Did. I did. <laughs> you got to have fun. You got to have fun. There's days, though, where you pick me up and, you know, it's not so much um, – it's, it's you know it's it's stressful and I think the the the, the part about the business is um, you can't control everything mm-hmm. you can't control everything and as much as you want to yeah as much because you want everything to go perfect and and it's just we're not we don't live in a perfect world Mm-mm. so that that's probably the the hardest part kind of this is kind of a throwback but I remember when I first started you told me that you are learning something new every single day in this business mm-hmm. and I can very much attest to that but I was curious what was something very recent that you learned well every year I have an oh crap moment <laughs> <laughs> maybe you know or like an aha moment um, <laughs> tomato tomato <laughs> so start, starting to, a couple years ago when we started getting offers that we were getting yeah. Last year was the first fifty thousand due diligence, you know, uh, check for a seller. Mm-hmm. Um, this year was writing an offer for one hundred fifteen thousand over asking, sixty thousand due diligence, and when you submit it, you know, you maybe have a fifty fifty shot. Yeah, I think that's another aha moment um, with just what we're dealing with. But you're constantly learning because every deal. <laughs> this is. Tell my that's my nephew. You're the man. <laughs> <laughs> um, every, every day you're learning, you know, something new. Every transaction, whether it's new construction, resale, you're constantly doing something, and you're constantly learning. And I, that's a great point. And this brings up a great topic. And I talked with Mark Parker, our broker in charge, this morning. Yeah, is about seller possession post closing agreements. Mm. Okay, for people that are listening, this is becoming so common now. Because sellers, again, have the leverage, the seller's market, and many want to close, then have the opportunity to take their time to move out, whether they're moving to out-of-state, building. So I'd probably say 75 80% of transactions now have a seller possession post-closing. So my question to you know, Mark mm-hmm. was, how do we handle transition? Mm-hmm. Because... On a technicality, it's the, the, the sellers are still living there who become now the tenants. The buyer buys the home. 
And now as the landlord, my question to him this morning was, are you able to have a key as a buyer? Are you able to take the key with you? Because I want to make sure I'm educating our clients correctly. I don't want to misspeak. That's a good question. And he checked with Roger, our in-house attorney, and yes, the buyers have every right to a key. And of course, they, but they can't go into the home, obviously. They can't just show up. It's like a normal lease. But those are the conversations that we have to start having with our clients because they may think, what do you mean they get a key? Well, they're now the new homeowner. So Mm -hmm. that's probably the biggest thing that we're seeing in our marketplace that's just becoming so prevalent and it's just important to have everybody on the same page. Mm-hmm. Got another another hard question. All right, I like hard questions. Do you have a hot take or an unpopular opinion about real estate, either as the market or as a professional in the field? Like, there is there a common perception or opinion that you honestly just disagree with? I think, and it's no fault to people that are on the outside looking in because just like they have a business profession or they have a job that they do, I don't know what they do daily. Right. I may... That's you know. a popular thing now with TikToks of yeah. people in their profession yeah, you just, showing videos of behind the scenes. Yeah, you just, they don't understand everything that goes into it. Yeah. Um, but I would probably say the only thing that, and again, it's no fault to their own, is that they look as just at agents as a commodity. Like, I just need you to put a sign on the ground. I just need you to get in the door. Mm-hmm. And they don't understand the human element of that and um, what we do to, that we're working so hard. Mm-hmm. And I'll, I'll be the first to admit, um, yeah, I mean, right now, you price a home correctly, you should sell your home. I mean, you can put a sign in the yard, but then are you getting max value though when you do it? What kind of game plan are you doing? How are you pricing it? You know, right now, you know, at the same time, it's you just need two ways of marketing: a sign in the yard and MLS. I, when I go on listing presentations and people have, bring their fans, I don't do that. Uh, anywhere you can be, it's 2022. Anywhere you can be found. When we go on MLS with syndication, you can be found. Yeah. The photos are everything. The whether you're doing uh, virtual tours or what have you, but the photos, the aerials are everything because of people wanting to make offers sight unseen because or if they have the opportunity to go in a home mm-hmm. it's really a second showing at that time mm-hmm. they've, they've seen enough to go in but i'd probably say that's the biggest thing is that anybody could do this profession and sure you can get a license but there's a reason why 87 percent make it to don't make it to their second year yeah and, and to build off of that like something that you and our team does very well is you know, you you put pretty packaging on a house. You know all of the right people to best advertise it. Like, yes, the sign in the yard is important in the MLS, but we've got a great photographer and just great uh, listing specialist to help us in that way. And, and also, I've seen you do some pretty interesting maneuvers when negotiating offers on the seller's behalf. Yes. I remember one time I about fell out of my chair the way that you just handled this one particular not to get into any details but it was very impressive it was something that really only someone who had a lot of experience i think you saw that i know what you're talking about yeah i think i think that um when you get multiple offers everyone's under the assumption that you have to just pick that one offer you can take all the offers and one may have the best price one may have the best due diligence one may have the best close date I think the number one strength of it is, of course, due diligence and then, of course, financing. Mm-hmm. And then I also look at who the other agent is. Yeah. I know who I want to work with. Um, and then um, then, I, then I put it together and I do what's best for the seller. And then right now, you know, if you want it, you, could, you have every reason to be able to counter and give someone an opportunity to accept. If they don't, we'll go to the next one. It's true. We have a question here. Um, I don't know eat your uranium is there, but thanks for the question. Any time frame for the Apple building, the Raleigh-Durham campus, 
any predictions about impact on market? That's actually a really good question. I think when we heard of Apple coming, I want to say that it was going to be within the next 10 years. However, you know, that was starting last year as far as the transition, as far as the expect, expected, uh, expected completion. I'm not 100%, but again, I've heard for 10 years. The market already, as soon as they announced, we already saw the market shift. We, and yeah, and, we saw someone offer on our listing figures cash almost a week after we heard the announcement. That's what Apple. I was going to get at is I think just a couple of years ago, the luxury market wasn't as popular, wasn't mm-hmm. as flying off the shelves as we said. When, when Apple announced that it, they were coming, that was the biggest change that I've seen. And then we, you know, especially from the, like the West Coast, California, and where they're seeing the, our prices for a luxury listing from where they're moving, it was just almost like instant. And so now you want to have a luxury listing. You still have to price it right. And when I mean luxury listing, I'm probably saying 800000 plus, 700000 plus mm-hmm. in our market. But now it's becoming seven figures. But, yeah, we've already seen the effect of Apple. We have Google. We have other you know, we have Research Triangle Park right here. Mm-hmm. So we're already feeling that effect of people. We have over 70 people moving here a day. And that's another contributing factor of our low supply. Mm-hmm. And we got Lisa saying the quote. Lisa giving us a shout out. Thanks, Lisa. You're the best. Yes. I've got one last question. All right. What is something that you would tell Turb 15 years ago? 15 to oh, 16 when you first man. started. Wow. Well, 15, six, when I, that'd be when I started. So we right. didn't, I remember Colleen made fun of me. Colleen's my sister um, because I had a flip phone, flip phone and a Blackberry. Oh. Because the Blackberries were out. That was when you first, I remember Colleen going, you really want to have, you can do emails from your phone? I'm like, sure. <laughs> but the but the Blackberry uh, reception wasn't very good. So I was that guy. I had to flip and the blip. Oh, yeah. Um, I, the yeah, I would probably say, uh, there's a couple things. One, um, just trying to, do the best you can and detach yourself from the outcome. Meaning, again, we can't control everything. We got to do the best we can for our clients, have them options. We're going to do everything we can for them. But at the end of the day, we can't we can't control appraisals. We can't control buyers that we're not working with. We can't control, uh, you know, like I said, appraisals uh, or status of loans or job changes. So that's one. And then two, I wish I embraced, as this may sound silly to you, but I, I wish I embraced social media a lot faster. Mm-hmm. Um, the iPhone came out in 07. Our, that's when really real estate shifted completely in regards to the consumer having the information. Before that, you know, they had to reach out to you. They had to call you just to get a price. They didn't have access to MLS. And then when they got access, when the consumer has access to MLS, and of course your smartphones, that changed everything. That changed the dynamic. But I didn't really embrace social media till about 2018. And I just kind of wish if I did it a few years earlier, because now social media, which I love, is so it's so saturated. But you still have to continue what you do. But mm-hmm. I think I saw a stat from one of my coaches where there's 50 percent more people on social, but half engaged. You know, so mm-hmm. you, that's why you see a views down and con. It's because of that. However, I know when when I really made a, a uh, an effort to market on social. Our, our business tripled because mm-hmm. again it's not so much being the agent it's being the expert it's being able to feature people you know local businesses feature things that are coming to town the person that you want to that people want to go to to know what's going on you want to be mayor of the town that's it you want to know everything yep yep I think that's it I think that's it i mean i, 
this was actually a really good show. I had a lot, <laughs> had of, fun. A lot of fun. Today. I usually don't get to do all the talk, so this was fun. <laughs> but I figure it was good to know. Have just let everybody know. And I think one thing I want to address. Okay, we've just finished the first quarter. What's up next for 2022? I think nothing's changing. Rates are going up. We obviously have an international issue right now with Ukraine and Russia, which we have no control over. But, of course, people react to that, which they should. We can only handle what we can do every day, what we can control. But I will say we can't. We can't. What's not going to change is the supply issues and the demand issues. Mm-hmm. And even though rates are going up, it may push some buyers out of the market. But for the most part, guys, a 4.25 rate is still amazing. I bought my home in 2010 and had a 4.35 rate down from six, and I thought that was the best thing ever, and I didn't refi for 10 years. So who knows what's going to happen in regards to the rate front. I'm sure they'll continue to rise slightly. However, I don't see the market conditions changing for three to five years because, Turb, what happens if there's a shift? Well, if there is a shift, we have so little inventory that it's going to take a very long time even if the properties are distressed, to be, get on the market to offset the demand. Now, sure, I see pricing plateauing. Mm-hmm. We can't sustain a 20 25% appreciation daily, I mean yearly. Um, but if, So eventually we will plateau. But I think by this time next year, we're gonna, our average sales price could be hitting almost $600,000 in Wake County, which I never thought would come out of my mouth. And that's where we are. In such a short period of time, too. Yep. It's very... May we're living through it, but at the same time, if you guys have any questions, even after this podcast, this uh, video here on social, just reach out to us. We'll be more than happy to answer any questions you have. If you like the podcast, please subscribe there on Apple, Spotify. Uh, we really appreciate your support and referrals. You could leave a comment. Anything you want to finish off by saying? No, we're just really excited to be helping people in our community. So if you know someone that needs help navigating this craziness, we would really be honored to help them. That'd be that's fantastic. Yep. So again, it's Michael Turbot, Jordan Hatch, with the Out of Turbot Group, Coval Banker HPW, and we're signing off. We'll see you on the next Super Turb podcast. If you're thinking at all, want to be on the show, maybe you're a local business owner, you're an entrepreneur, uh, an agent, um, you're a coach. Doesn't matter. I would love for you to come on, tell your story and what drives you. So again, until next time, remember, who you work with matters. See ya.